This is the Orange Podcast. Conversations with Orange City Council for the local community. This is Alan Reader, and by the sheer wonders of modern science, you've tuned in to the Orange Podcast, a haphazard collection of the people and ideas wandering the corridors of Orange City Council. Coming up in this week's episode, how a couple of major council facilities don't need electricity off the grid in daylight hours. And they've worked really successfully, so the depot daytime usage is covered by the solar generation. The new airport solar system that just went in on the car park awning also covers the daytime usage out at the airport. So we have two buildings that are essentially self-sufficient during the day. Yeah, that's right. More from Council Project Officer Lindsay Hall later in the show. And why one of Orange's newest murals, part of our public art project, is transforming a toilet. Art, in any terms, is always going to turn a few heads. You know, I think that's what the great thing about art is, whether it's public art or whether it's art in a gallery, is that, you know, it creates, I guess, conversation, creates kind of um, conversation around aesthetics, politics, whatever it is. I've done wall work at the NGV, which is part of Melbourne now, another wall work at Shepherd and Art Gallery. And first toilet block, though? First toilet block. <laughs> Fantastic. But first up today, when was the last time you visited a library? Thousands do every week. But what if it was a whole lot easier? What if you could access the Orange City Library by reaching into your back pocket and pulling out your mobile phone? This week, the staff at Orange City Library launched a new mobile app. And according to librarian Rebecca Salmon, Orange Mayor Reg Kidd now has the app on his phone. Um, well, we had a good turn up and we were very happy to have um, the Mayor, Councillor Kidd, come along. Uh, he came and downloaded the app onto his phone. We showed him how to use it and now he's a happy online library user. <laughs> it demonstrated how uh, simple it is to download the app and get started. That's right, yeah. It's very simple. It's available on, um, on uh, wherever you get your apps from. So on the App Store if you're an Apple user or on the Google Play Store if you have a Samsung phone. So how long has this app been in development for? Uh, we've been trying to get um, an app happening for a little while. Um, it's, it's actually been out sort of available to use uh, since late last year, but we've just been testing it in-house. So all of the staff have downloaded it and, and been using it as sort of uh, test subjects <laughs> for a little while. And once we were happy that all the kinks had been worked out and that it was a, a good product, we, um, we decided to bring it to everybody else. So tell me a little bit about the features of the app. Why should, why should um, library members uh, upload it and use it? I like to say that downloading the app is like having the library in your back pocket. So you can not only access all of your membership details, when once you sign in, um, all of your membership details are stored in there. Um, you don't have to bring your card into the library, so you can just scan the barcode within the app. You can manage all of your, your loans, so you can renew books that are coming up that you'd like to keep for a little bit longer. You can look at your kids' accounts, you can see what they've got out on loan, and you can make sure you avoid any sort of overdue times or anything like that. The other good thing about the app is that it's a gateway to our online resources. So when you look into the app, you can go through and see all of the other services that the, the library offers. We've got our events listed. We've got our e-resources, such as um, e-book and e-audio 
lending subscriptions. Um, we've really got sort of all the services that the library provides, but they're all in one handy little place. And tell us about the um, cool little feature uh, with the barcode scanning. Okay, so the barcode scanner is one of my favourite features. It's a little bit cheeky because if you see a book that you really like the look of and you think, you know, you're sort of arming and ahhing about whether to buy a copy for yourself, you can actually scan the barcode on the back and it will let you know whether we have a copy at Central West Libraries. You can press reserve on that book and next time you come into the library it might be sitting there waiting for you on the shelf. So I think that's a bit fun. Um, And speaking of the library's other digital resources, there's um, a few apps that the library subscribes to that members can um, access for free as part of their library membership. Um, Which ones are they? Well, we've actually been doing a little bit of a feature on our ebook and e-audio resources this week. So we subscribe to BorrowBox, Indie Reads and the Libby app. Um, and they all allow us to access ebooks and e-audio books for free for members. Um, the Libby app also offers a subscription um, to popular magazines. So all of our top five, we did a little poll recently and found out which magazines were being borrowed the most frequently from the library, our top five, and all five of those magazines are also available on the Libby app. We have, um, in the Libby app, we have multiple simultaneous downloads, which basically means that if you want a book and somebody else wants a book, you can both borrow it at the same time. So if you had a book club, for example, and you all wanted to listen to the same audio book, you'd be able to do that through the Libby app. So if members are having a bit of trouble um, downloading any of these resources, um, can they just come into the library and talk to a staff member and get help? They absolutely can. We're all pretty well versed in all of these e-resources. And um, I think once you start using them, you really start to see the benefit of them. I um, I personally really love audiobooks. So I have, since discovering audiobooks, I use them all the time when I'm at home you know, doing boring jobs, doing the washing up or hanging the washing on the line. I've got an audio book in, a book in my back pocket that I'm listening to and it really makes everything much more pleasant. <laughs> All of the, the Central West Library's staff will be able to help you to download these apps onto your phone and start using them. If you don't have a phone, we can also help you download them onto a tablet um, and a lot of them have a browser function as well. So you can actually use a lot of these e-resources if you have, say, a laptop or a desktop computer at home as well. Librarian Rebecca Salmon was talking with comms team member Liv Sargent. Orange City Council has a long history with installing solar panels on the roofs of council buildings. It's been happening for more than 30 years. But now it's about to get a lot more coverage and save a lot more power off the grid. Council Energy Project Officer Lindsay Hall has the details. Council's looking to install quite a few systems around. So we've got some large systems going on some of our big energy users, like the Civic Centre and the Aquatic Centre and out at the airport. So over probably the last... 10 years we've had systems slowly going in on large energy users like the depot and they've worked really successfully so the depot daytime usage is covered by the solar generation the new airport solar system 
that just went in on the car park awning also covers the daytime usage out at the airport. So we have two buildings that are essentially self-sufficient during the day. Yeah, that's right. And we're also looking hopefully down the track of um, as batteries become more viable, adding batteries so that those can also use overnight energy. Can you talk to me a little bit about why we can't use batteries at the moment? What's the issue there? Batteries, uh, the business case doesn't quite stack up because they're quite expensive and they have to be quite large for our big sites. We can look at smaller ones for little facilities. So we're currently looking at one for, say, the Animal Pound. So we've just put in a small solar system there and we're just trying to work out if we can add batteries to that as well because that makes more sense than, say, the Civic Centre, which would need a massive battery. So it costs a lot and it doesn't really pay itself off very well. Council was installing a heap of systems on some buildings this year. Yep, so the Animal Pound, which has just been completed today, uh, the Civic Centre, uh, the Aquatic Centre, and the new admin uh, building at the depot. The Aquatic Centre already has a large system, but we're essentially doubling it. So between the start of this year and the end of this year, we'll have doubled our solar capacity, total solar capacity. That sounds pretty impressive. So we had those four buildings next year. I know that there are some plans for the year after. Can you give us any indication on where that might be heading? The art gallery is hopefully next. Um, Our issue, the challenges we have with solar is we need roof space. So the Civic Centre had to have a new roof anyway, but we had to do that before the solar. The same thing's going to have to happen with the gallery the art gallery in the library because it's an older roof before we can put solar so we're going to try and tee the two up together we are looking down the track because we have such big users of energy like the civic center and the library but they don't have the roof space for enough solar we're looking at some new mechanisms that hopefully we can engage in which is you could put solar a large system on, say, something like the Naylor Pavilion at the showground, which is a big roof space but doesn't use any energy, and hopefully we can basically net that energy off to the Civic Centre or the Art Gallery at, you know, a viable cost, essentially, so that we're not putting energy into the grid at, you know, and not getting any money for it and then paying more for it at our end. So hopefully we can work out that mechanism. Sounds like quite a complicated process. Yes, but it will pay off. So it's fingers crossed it works. Um, uh, Other local government areas are currently doing it. So we're hoping to also be able to do it. These systems are quite expensive. Where is all the money coming from to make our buildings more sustainable? Just this year, council uh, committed $500,000 a year to renewables for the next three years. So 1.5 million over three years. And then from that, once we install solar, we'll be essentially using the savings from that to pay off the system and then put that into a fund to continue funding future solar projects and renewable projects. So essentially it can fund itself over time with those savings. In a nutshell, Lindsay, why do you think solar on more council buildings is better for orange ratepayers? We've recently adopted our climate change strategic policy and that's looking at our emissions as a as a council and reducing our environmental impacts so that's one reason so putting solar producing energy ourselves behind the meter we're off we're green energy essentially the other reason is when we buy energy off the grid that money basically leaves our region completely by having solar 
we're not buying that energy off the grid, savings can stay in our region as opposed to leaving. And then the council can use those funds on other projects to keep saving the ratepayers more money. Why do you find this work interesting? Why, why are you doing this? I like to see something that uh, something that makes sense, putting technology together with saving both having both environmental outcomes but also saving money is a really kind of rewarding project. So there's multiple outcomes for different people. So I like to to work on those projects. Along with the solar, looking at combining um, electrifying council's uh, vehicle fleet. So that's where having solar at the depot and battery systems combined with electric vehicles really makes sense in the future. It's slowly getting there with electric vehicles, but we might start off small, but hopefully that's the direction we want to move in. We really want to focus on solar behind the meter, so we're not being charged grid prices, but also we don't want to have a solar system too big that we're exporting energy and not making the money that we would off the grid as well. So it's kind of a a balancing act um, moving into the future, but hopefully we get there. The Council's Energy Project Officer, Lindsay Hall, was talking with Nicole Taylor. If you've walked along McNamara Street in Orange lately, you would have noticed the street's first mural taking shape, big splashes of green along a formerly bland wall. Now, Project 2 has begun, and that's our first local artist in this project. Tully Moore has started work, and comms team member Ellie Bryce has hit the trail to find out what's happening. I'm down here at the Toilet Block in McNamara Street and I'm talking with Tully Moore who's one of our artists that we have been working with on our public art program. Tully, first of all, just talk us through why you were interested in being involved with this program. Um, I guess, you know, I'm kind of born in Orange, spent a bit of time away but, um, you know, call myself local. So I guess I jumped on the opportunity to do a a, a public artwork that kind of corresponds with, I guess, an interest in a project that I'm currently working on, which is a country practice, which is using um, produce and, I guess, um, food packaging from a fruit and veg distributor that I work at, and I've been creating artworks using those those themes. Um, So I guess with this project I wanted to kind of, as a continuation of that, is... um, I guess bring it out onto the street and speak about that, I guess, chain of food production through to consumption, through to its penultimate end, which is, I guess, the toilet block. Fantastic. Charlie, look, we're all really excited about this project. Do you think the community will be the same or do you think this might turn a few heads? Um, I guess, you know, art in any terms was always going to turn a few heads. Um, you know, my like or your like would be completely different. And I think that's, you know, I think that's what the great thing about art is, whether it's public art or whether it's art in a gallery, is that, you know, it creates, I guess, conversation, creates kind of um, conversation around aesthetics, politics, um, you know, whatever it is, you know, take it or leave it, it's up to, up to the viewer, really. And is this your first time doing anything of this size or do you normally stick to, I don't know, something on a canvas or are you used to doing murals? Um, I guess my practice is, I guess, 
traditionally it's like oil painting, kind of highly technical oil painting, but I have done quite a few um, wall works. So I've done wall work at the NGV, which is part of Melbourne now, um, in Melbourne. Um, another wall work at Shepherd and Art Gallery. Did a, a temporary um, ephemeral grass painting, which was an entire soccer field in um, Fitzroy in Melbourne as well. So I guess, you know, I had a little bit of experience with this previously. And first toilet block, though? First toilet block. <laughs> Fantastic. Tully, how long do you think this will take you to complete? And obviously yours is a two-parter. Yes, so the wall paintings, hopefully it'll be finished in two weeks, give or take. <laughs> and, um, and then the second part will be a series of small I guess, more detailed paintings on um, cast aluminium tea towels. See how the orange weather holds up, hey? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's yeah. Well, thank you very much for your time, Tully. We can't wait to see the finished product. Thanks, Ellie. Orange artist, Tully Moore. And with a wrap of what's happening this week at Orange City Council, CEO Dave Waddell. Dave, I saw a crowd across in front of the, the police station one afternoon this week. What was going on there? Oh, Alan, yes, I went to that ceremony. That was, in fact, after 12 or 13 years the Crown handing over the old police station to the local land council. Mm. It was great, a really nice ceremony with a smoking ceremony, dancers, young boys, young girls, um, and a really significant milestone for the local land council. Without, without talking on their behalf, why, yeah. why do you think it is significant for them? Oh, they just get a building, they get a place to call their own. They're not renting it, it is theirs. That's where they'll anchor their operations. They can build offices, they can do whatever they like. Finally, they've got a base they can call their own, and it's a good, sizable base. Having a building right in the middle of town helps to make those connections with a broader business community that might want to invest in things? I think so, yeah. It'll be a really professional build. So, um, yeah, hats off to them. Perseverance. At Orange City Council, you had approaches from all sorts of major businesses that want to come and set up shop here, but also this week you had an approach from another sort of organisation. Yeah, we had the, the best meeting I had this week yep. was, with, was with the company who has actually moved to Orange and they want to make a movie in Orange. Mm-hmm. And I can't give you any detail, <laughs> but we met these fascinating people and they, we took them around and we talked about sets and places, scenes, mm. characters of Orange, you know, where they could film. Um, you know where they could, um, you know, um, you know, accommodate their sets. Mm. It, it was just exciting. Any but I can't tell you anything. No, nothing. Can at we all. talk historical drama? We're we talking Russell oh, Crowe. Come no. on, more modern, more modern. Okay. Um, not period stuff. Mm. Not period stuff. But let me tell you this: these people are serious. They release across a huge, broad platform. So um, it was great. And they love. Why do they love orange? Mm. That's the question. Yeah, what, it what, is. What is attractive about yeah. orange? Is it our our colourful backdrop? Our history? What what what's what, what grabs them? All of the above. I think it was they they like the artistic types that are in orange. They just they they have been made feel very welcome with the types they've met, the cultural types that they've run into, the museum, the art gallery, all the little bits and pieces, as well as the views and all the beauty. Yep. That they, they really like the the um, the background to being creative. It's yep. good. One of the long-term projects has been on the, on the back burner for a while, perhaps not the back burner, but certainly taking a lot of work, um, is our housing strategy. Where does our housing go for the next 20 years to find out some more direct Development Services Director Mark Hodges? Mark, it's a huge project, isn't it? Yeah, it's certainly taken us a long time to get to, uh, Alan, or to, to get through. Indeed, um, the last few weeks particularly, we've really had a head down trying to get this document to prepared. 
um, involving uh, both our staff and consultants working on it. Just to say where will we go in the next 20 years, taking into consideration things like um, you know, some of the constraints of sites, the slope, you know, we get into some of those areas around Orange and they get quite steep, hard to build on. So limits where you can build. So we look around for places like that. Where's our water catchment? Um, where's the trees? Um, and then try and develop into areas where like we've got water and sewer, um, roads can go in there. So it's been quite interesting, but very tricky to do. We've been doing some community consultation about are there parts of town where we could go up Instead of out, is that on is that on the list of things to think about? Yeah, that's all in the mix, that is. Um, so, uh, you know, when I came to town 16 years ago or so, um, uh, the edge of town was Rosewood Water Tower up there in Anson Street, and uh, now you look at it, it's a long way further forward than that. We've also gone over Ploughman's Hill uh, down into Shiralee, so we can't continue to sprawl all the way, um, like that, that way all the time, so um, there's going to have to be a mixture of housing that we allow for. When will that go to a council meeting? When will it become a, a formally adopted thing? So we'll be looking at uh, in, in June to put up uh, reports to council or just to start getting out for, on exhibition for that draft policy. Um, and then that will be the, the, the final document we'll have to go to the new council. Dave, we're heading for another cold weekend in Orange. Uh, plans? Plans, uh, cut some firewood, uh, play with the new puppy and generally just get out and about. I've been away for the last weekend, so last two weekends so I'm looking forward to it and probably drive through town and look at the new mural going on the toilet in McNamara Street. We're averaging one mural a week now so it's quite exciting. Dave thanks for your time. Thanks Al, have a good one. Thanks for joining us for the show this week. Remember you can download this show from the Orange City Council website anytime or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time for the Orange Podcast this is Alan Reader. Bye for now.